his job. There's just something about him uh, that, that, that I, I connect with in, you know, in a certain way. Uh, the stories that we hear of, of, of him through the Gospels, he, he's, he's called the, the beloved disciple. Uh, he, he, was, uh, he was the one who, who was faithful to Jesus through that time of suffering and his crucifixion so that as far as we know, he was the only disciple that was actually there at Jesus' crucifixion. Uh, we hear the, the rest of the stories and we read the church tradition of, of things that, that, uh, that John had done the way that he came alongside and cared for Mary, uh, as Jesus had asked him to. Um, the, the letters that he wrote, they're just, they, just, uh, they just seem to drip with compassion, with love, with gentleness. And, and I, just, I just think that it would be so good to be hanging out with John, to, uh, to allow him to, uh, to speak that, that truth, that joy into, into your life, um, it, is, it, is a, it would be an amazing thing. Church tradition reveals that after John had, had after time had, had passed and John uh, moved on in his ministry, that, uh, that he began to travel. And uh, he was a, a missionary, he was a, a, a church planter, uh, he was a, an overseer, a, a bishop of many different churches. And, and eventually he came to Asia Minor, and I've got a map up here, I think that's working, it is working, good, oh, it'll come back. That uh, he was in Asia Minor, and, um, and uh, spent time, he was an overseer of these churches in that area there in the, the Mediterranean, the Aegean Sea. Um, uh, the, the seven letters that we read of in Revelation that are to the seven churches, those are actually all churches that, that John had direct connection with. The, the church in Ephesus, the church in Pergamon, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, Laodicea, Smyrna, all of those were, were people that John knew intimately and connected with. And, uh, and that's who this letter to, this, the, the letters that he wrote, the uh, First John, Second John, Third John were all uh, directed to the churches in this area. See, there was uh, there was trouble that was going on. There was conflict that was happening within these different churches. Uh, some of it had to do with with just personality differences. That there were some folks that were uh, rubbing each other the wrong way, and, and it was creating uh, divisions and conflict. And John wanted to speak into those struggles that were there. But there was also false teachers. There were those that, that had started off as part of the church. And then their, their understanding about God, their, the, the things that they, that they were teaching about who Jesus was and, and the way that we relate to Jesus got, got skewed and kind of got off the track. And, uh, and John wanted to write these letters to be able to address some of those wrong teachings that were out there. And certainly we are going to see that here in, in 1 John as we, as we move through 
this, this letter here in the next little while. One of the, the false teachers that John uh, was addressing directly, was his name was Serinthus. Uh, Serinthus um, uh, was a, uh, a man who had started off uh, with the Christian church. He was a Gentile. Um, he was a, a Roman by birth. And, um, and, and he became a follower of Jesus. But then, according to, to the writings that we have of the church fathers, he claimed to have been visited by an angel who, who, who taught him some things that, that got skewed off of what the disciples were teaching about who Jesus was. He said that, that Jesus was actually not born of a virgin. That he was born uh, through a natural process between Mary and Joseph coming together. Uh, that he grew up, but then at his baptism, he was filled by the Spirit of the Christ, of Messiah. And, and so in that transition, he suddenly then stepped out into that ministry in a powerful way over those next three years that we read of in the accounts of the Gospels. And then, just before the crucifixion, because that spirit of the Christ was divine, was a spiritual being and could not suffer, um, that spirit of Christ left him. And so it was just the human Jesus that was hanging there on the cross and paid the penalty for, for sin. As you can hear, there are some, some things that, that just got off track with Serenthus about the, the kinds of things that he was teaching. And he was spreading this around widely and, and people were buying into it. He was also one of the ones who said that, that in order to, to uh, maintain your salvation, you needed to follow all of the Mosaic law. He wasn't a Jew, but he was, was, uh, had, had imposed that on the Christians and said that, that you need to follow all of the feasts, you need to go through the process of circumcision, you need to follow all of those laws that were laid out by Moses that, uh, that, that the, the blood of Christ had set us free from. And so John was writing this letter to address some of these uh, uh, false teachings directly. Uh, Irenaeus, one of the church fathers, Irenaeus was a disciple of Polycarp, who was a direct disciple of, of John, um, uh, John the, the Apostle. He told a story, he tells a story in some of his writings about an encounter that John had. John was living there in Ephesus, um, there in, in Asia Minor and went to one of the bathhouses. But as he entered into the bathhouse, he discovered that Serinthus was there in the bathhouse. And so he, with his towel wrapped around him, uh, John fled from the bathhouse and, and called out to others, flee for your lives, for the deceiver Serinthus is within. And, and, and the, the, the ceiling is going to come crashing down and you're going to all be destroyed. Um, it's good to remember that John wasn't just the, the compassionate disciple. He was also one of those that Jesus had called the sons of thunder. There was a, a passion and a determination for, uh, for truth. And, and, and so he's writing this letter, this first letter of John, in order to address some of these issues. And so I've, I've entitled this next series that we're going to be going through over the next number of months, I've entitled it, The Light of Love is Life. 
I think I've got another slide there. Uh, these are three themes that, that come up time and time again through John's first letter. Um, it, it, it is a, 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 a tool of communication that, that John uses in the way that he writes. It's called uh, uh, amplification. And it's, it's an amplification through repetition. There's a number of forms of, of Greco communication tools uh, that were used that were called amplification. And, and John uses a number of them in his letter. Uh, but this one of repetition is, is that he doesn't have a linear argument that, that, that you can start at the beginning and follow it through to the end. He, he circles around time and time again to these same themes. And, and each time building on them a little bit more, uh, giving more more uh, insight and more understanding about what it means to uh, to the fact that God is light. Uh, we're going to come across that here in this first chapter of of 1 John. Uh, that God is light, and, and as he goes through that, he's going to be talking about how uh, that light uh, reflects God's truth. Uh, the, the nature of God, which is true and, and trustworthy in every way. But, but it's more than that. The, the picture of light, the image of light is, 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 is so, so ideal because it's not just about truth, but it's also about purity, about holiness. So John is going to come back to that theme time and time again of light. If we say that we are children of God, then we are children of light. And so we are called to live in that truth, in that, in that purity, in that, in that glory that God has made up. John also says that God is love. In, in chapter 4, he's going to spell that out very clearly, that God is love. Uh, and, and love is such a, a strong theme in all of John's writings. Uh, but certainly as well here in this particular letter. This is uh, 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 an intensive uh, description of what it means to love. That love is more than just a, an emotion. It's more than, than just a, a commitment that we make. It's more than just a, a word that we say if we truly love the way that God loves, then, then it, is a, it is an action. It's a, a, a deed that we do towards others. And he says, how can you love when you see your brother that doesn't have a cloak for his back or is in need in some way? So John is going to call us through this letter to a, a deeper understanding of love, not just in, in, in God's love to us, but then how we translate that love into the, into the lives of others. And then uh, in, in his final chapter, in chapter 5, um, John talks about how, how we have life in God, and it is we have that eternal life through Jesus Christ. And, and that theme of life is going to, again, come around time and time again, uh, that, that we can know that we have life because we have God's love within us, because we act in truth towards others. Um, and, and so this understanding of what it means to have life in Christ 
is a, is a, a consistent theme that we're going to come across time and time again here in this, in this letter. So let's, let's start reading and uh, look and see what John has to say here in this first chapter. Uh, so we're going to look at the, the letter of John, 1 John. Uh, for, for those of you that are unfamiliar, this isn't the Gospel of John. Uh, this is much later in the book if you get through all of the all of the other epistles and almost before you get to Revelation. There is John's three letters, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And this morning I want to read uh, from 1st John chapter 1. That which is from the beginning, which we have heard which we have seen with our own eyes, which we looked upon and we've touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we now proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. John has a very unique way of opening his letter. It is, it, it's reminiscent of his gospel, the, the prologue of his gospel, where he talks about how in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory glory of the only begotten Son. That prologue is a, a clear declaration of the, the divinity of Jesus Christ. And, and, and so this year, this passage, John is echoing that same idea, is the, the connection between God the Father and Jesus the Christ, the Messiah. The promised one, the anointed one. He wants us to understand uh, that Jesus was with God from the very beginning. John also wants to establish his authority in being able to proclaim this message to us today. He's able to, to testify about what it means to to experience the light of love that gives life because he heard, he saw Jesus himself. He heard the things that Jesus had to say. He saw the, the miracles that Jesus performed. He, he touched the flesh and blood of Christ. He was a part of all of those and because of that, he is uniquely positioned to be able to proclaim to us what the light of love that gives life is all about. 
And so he's clearly establishing this. This isn't a message that comes from uh, from some angel. Um, this isn't a message that that uh, that has the the uncertainty of of tradition or 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 uh, worldly wisdom. Instead, this is a message that comes directly from God through Jesus Christ, and it is a message. It is a message of hope, of life. John is actually telling us why humans were created in the first place. God made humanity in his image so that we could have fellowship with God. We were built to be in relationship with God. And our our chief aim, the goal, the, the, the activity that brings meaning into our existence is our love for God. That God, as the, the divine community, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that have existed throughout all of eternity past and will continue to exist through eternity forward, that we have been uniquely invited into that fellowship so that we can, because of that fellowship, give testimony of the love, the power, the wisdom of God. That we can give testimony to the light. That's what our purpose is. And it's interesting to see he establishes this beginning at the beginning of his message, at the beginning of his letter, because he sees the damage that false teaching can have. That instead of seeing our purpose as living in that relationship with God, instead he sees what Serenthus' teaching was, was doing, was, was tying people up into, into somehow trying to earn God's favor. And how that that gets us into this legalistic do's and don'ts which removes the relationship component completely and instead is all about following the rules, about some moral code. And John wants us to get back and recognize that, that the purpose of our existence is relationship, is fellowship, Allowing ourselves to be dependent on God so that he can lead and guide us through all of the ups and downs of life. This is a message that we need to hear. This this message of of the light of love is life. Something that, that each one of us here needs to to experience in a new way in our lives. 
We live in a society You know, we, we used to talk about how we live in a postmodern society. Uh, we've gone through through this process of uh, of modernity, uh, of how as, as a society we saw that all of the answers were there in science, that we could that we could come to our to a, a full and complete understanding of humanity and our existence because of what we could know. And, and that, that ultimately what that meant was that we can improve ourselves as we understand who we are and we understand science and our existence more fully, that we can create a utopia. We can create a perfection, perfect society where, where there aren't any of the, the pains and the sufferings and the, uh, the, the hurts that happen through human existence, human history. And then we went through the world wars. And when we saw how damaging humanity can be to each other. And then we saw the inadequacy of scientific knowledge. Of, of, how, of how it could get us totally off track. We saw the, the impact of, of the eugenics movement of trying to perfect humanity and, and the discarding of those that were deemed somehow less than perfect. And the callousness that, that, that went through that. And, and so we moved into a post-modern society. We saw the failings of science and, and, and as, a, as, as a society we began to reject any claims of truth. And, and and there was this, this uh, huge pendulum swing away from, uh, from anybody making any claims about what was right and what was true. And, and I think what we are experiencing today is, is a pendulum swing the other way. In, 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 in not, not just in, in back to the old modernity, but, but rather there is a realization of how foolish the lack of of no truth claims or the lack of truth claims actually is. Is that obviously there is truth. But the problem is now we have all created our own truth and, and it creates these great divisions within our society against others that are different from us, that somehow have a different understanding of what truth is. And, 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 and I think that's why we see in, in our social media and we see um, in, in, the, in the marketplace, in, the, in the, the common areas of life, that, that people are becoming more and more uh, antagonistic towards anyone that's different than them. Because they, because they want to, they need something that is true. And so they cling on to the thing that they see as true and, 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 and don't look outside to, to let anybody else tell them different. And anybody that would try and uh, be different than them obviously is foolish and, and arrogant. Pardon me? Arrogant. Arrogant. This message of the light of love attacks that at its very core. Yes, there is truth. Yes, there is light. But that light is expressed in love. 
in openness to those that are different. That the truth isn't something that you, you try and ram down somebody's throat, but instead you invite them to come and experience for themselves. And in a society that is increasingly divided, that is increasingly uh, in battle against one another, The light of the love, which is life, speaks a message of hope for people. And we have an opportunity to be able to carry that message to a world that so desperately needs to hear it. But if we're honest with ourselves, we also have to recognize that we have been influenced by the antagonism that's going on within our society. We have to recognize that, uh, that we have allowed ourselves to get caught up in the my way or the highway. That we need to be touched by the light of love that speaks truth and love to those that are around us. <laughs> As, as, as a congregation here, God has put us together in, in a unique way. We have people that come from all kinds of different church backgrounds. Uh, we have people here who have all different kinds of political positions. There is a great diversity here amongst this church family. And as we allow the light of love to speak into our lives, we will be able to reveal to others, we will be able to reveal and model for the world what it means to speak the truth in love. God can do that. And it's, and it's exactly that which Jesus identified uh, that John reported for us. Is, it, Jesus said, the world will recognize you as followers of me because of your love. We need to listen very closely to what John has to say through this letter. We need to experience what it means to love each other actively. We need to, to understand what John has to say about, about light, about truth, about purity in our lives. We need to be ready to allow his light to shine into uh, the, the dark places of our lives that we have, have hidden away. So that as we do that, as we face the light, as we live in love with one another, that our lives will be full of joy, of fellowship, of connection 
together with God. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for the light of your life. I thank you for the way that that was so clearly seen in, in the way that you lived life here on the earth, through your ministry, through your friendship, your connection with your disciples, and the way that you, you reached out to those who were opposed to you. And I'm so grateful you equipped John in a special way to give testimony to the light of that love. To help us understand how we incorporate that in our lives so that we can experience that eternal life. Pray, Lord, that you would, you would keep us humble. You would keep us teachable. That over the next few months as we go through this series, that your spirit would speak clearly into our lives and, and we wouldn't resist that. But instead, We would allow you to, to lead us on a path that experiences what it means to truly love in the midst of all of our differences. Thank you that your spirit is faithful and he will do this in us. We look forward in anticipation to what our lives, what our family will look like as we work our way through this particular life. For your honor, for your glory, so that we can give testimony to a world that needs the light of your love. Thank you.